Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of In the Barn. I'm Robin. And I'm Kelsey. And in today's episode, we're going to provide a little Kentucky three-day preview. We decided to dig into the sponsors and the fundraising that has allowed this event to happen this weekend. Well, for those of you who don't live under a rock, you know that this weekend is the best weekend all year. And have we decided what we're going to call it yet? Like, do we do we have a name yet for this event besides for Rolex? I think I'm going to call it Kentucky just because that's one word. And I think everyone knows what event you're talking about when you say Kentucky. Yeah, I think I'm going to call it Kentucky three day, though. Like, you're right. The three days is really not that important. But it's like Land Rover Kentucky three day is its full name now. But I'm not going to call it Land Rover, nor am I just going to call it Rover because then someone's got to send someone else over. So it's a mess all on its own there. Yeah, it is. You really, really can't get into those sort of playground shenanigans right now. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so no longer called Rolex. It's now called Kentucky three day or Land Rover Kentucky Three Day. So we're going to refer to it as Kentucky or Three Day or that horse show formerly known as Rolex. Um, I think that's another option. And we wanted to kind of just dig into a little bit of the how this show was able to be put on this year because it was a little bit different this year. If you follow the Kentucky Three Day, Land Rover Three Day, their Facebook page, you probably saw some Facebook posts not that long ago asking for money just so we could even have this five star this year. You looked into what this was, how this happened. Like you've got more information for us on this fundraising and why it fell to the spectators to basically pay for the horse show this year. Yeah, and I dug into that a little bit. I honestly, as much as it pains me to say, as far as like forum discussions went and stuff, most of the discussions that I saw happening were all within the comments on their Facebook posts. Like there really wasn't that much external discussions happening. Like I know you always go to Chronicle of the Horse, their forums, and like deep dive down there to see what people are saying. But as far as I could tell, there really wasn't much on there. And even when I was trying to find more information out about it, it was pretty limited. Strictly like the discussions, questions are being brought up were in the Facebook comments. There wasn't like really many other articles happening or looking deeper into the fundraising efforts that were occurring. To kind of dive into it, first and foremost, guys, Kentucky is here, baby. It's time. It is happening. It's this weekend, which is, what is this weekend? April 22nd to 25th? Is that the dates of Rolex or Kentucky? Shoot, dang it. I'm already messing up. Correct. Today's the 21st and today is a Wednesday. We're recording like we're way behind on our recording. So who knows when you're going to hear this episode. Don't tell people that. Okay. No, just kidding. We're way ahead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So today is the 21st, which means jogs happen today and dressage. The first round of dressage starts tomorrow. Dressage on Friday, the 23rd. Cross country best day of all of them is 24th. And then 25th will be... uh, that stadium thing right and due to covid i don't think any of us are really a stranger to the vid 19 anymore but obviously kentucky it didn't happen last year which means this year run comes with like a lot of excitement anticipation and honestly probably like a bit of relief for many of us involved in this community that we get to see this event keep going because i know a lot of people are worried that if this event didn't happen this year we were going to lose it and like we were going to just keep watching because i know we've been watching slowly our sport just kind of slip away from us. And that is absolutely tragic. And I think a lot of people are afraid that if we didn't have the event this year, we would lose a five star. And that would be a really big deal and a really 
big hit to our sport. It's weird that that rumor kind of got perpetuated and people were really concerned about that because I think that was a really big contributing factor to encouraging people to fundraise for the event and donate for it. But actually, if you went and read what they were sharing, what they were saying, those in charge of putting on the event and talking about it said, regardless of the event runs in 2021, it will run in 2022. Just because it doesn't run this year, you are not losing this event. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a concern. I mean, I know as far as five stars, like we have Fairhill and is it there someone else? Is it the Great Meadows or whatever is getting close to They have a four star as well. I think there's a couple others now that are itching for four stars, which we're like, we're three stars and now are four stars um, and they're expanding. So another big anticipation along with running Kentucky this year is that badminton was canceled this year. You know, our five stars, they didn't run last year. This year, we're already seeing some of them get canceled strictly because of COVID regulations as well as EHV1 breaking out and like that whole ordeal you know you survive the pandemic only to have like the horses have their own pandemic there's a lot going on that is affecting these events worldwide and it's not just here in the states but interestingly enough with the Kentucky event they're actually running two levels they're running both the five-star long format and the four-star short format which I honestly I think this is a great idea I mean last year no events were running and originally in 2020 they actually intended to have an advanced combined training test occur alongside the five-star, but because it was canceled, they just decided to host the four-star short format alongside the five-star. Oh, I like saw the ride times and it did not occur to me that that's what it was saying because I was looking at the ride times this morning and I didn't even put two and two together. I'm so down. (laughs) So tomorrow morning when dressage starts, the first part of dressage day is actually going to be the four-star horses going out and doing dressage. And then once the afternoon switchovers, that's going to be your first part of the five-star horses. And then Friday, I think morning once again is going to be your four-star horses going and then your five-star. And part of the reason why they did this is because, right, we only have so many riders riding at the five-star level. On top of this, you know, they want to bring in more riders, more riders, more spectators, give those. And I honestly, I think it's a really great idea because they talk about how like environment, the atmosphere surrounding Kentucky event, Rolex ahead of the lake, those surrounding them in stadium, like it's a very different atmosphere. And to get those horses that might not feel like they're quite ready for the five-star, while they might be qualified for it, but they might not feel ready for it, that four-star is a great introduction into this. That's a great, you know, a nice segue to reduce those falls that we see happening at the higher levels. And when riders are moving up, it's a great way to kind of help transition horse and rider teams over into the next phase and the next step. Yeah, that is really cool. Because I know, doesn't badminton do something similar where they, I know they have lower level shows going on like all week so it's like a whole week-long event that happens at badminton that the end of it the grand finale is the five star but i think some of these other shows do have multiple things happening i mean it's a huge venue you have lots of people coming you might as well make the most of it oh yeah definitely but i guess i guess if you go and look at it our fundraising journey all kind of started on february 2nd when everyone really became aware and involved in this. But when I was looking into things, I think our timeline and the awareness of the necessity to fundraise for this event could have started earlier Sure. by four months. And I think it should have started earlier. Back in October 2020, ticket sales were supposed to open up. Ticket sales for spectators and others to purchase them were supposed to be available. However, they made an announcement on October 6th that ticket sales would be delayed until January 2021 due to the remaining uncertainties surrounding COVID-19. And to me, this should have been our first flag that 
hey, we just had to push something back because we're concerned about the COVID restrictions. This should have been their first flag that, hey, might not be able to run with the spectators we were hoping with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think 2020 should have been a hint that 2021 wasn't going to be normal. At like best case scenario, it wasn't going to be normal. And that best case scenario, you're still running with reduced spectators. Like, yeah, the first few months of the pandemic, we probably, no one had that idea. In the first few months, everyone thought this was going to be over in two weeks, right? quarantine for two weeks, lockdown for two weeks, we'll be good to go. 2021 will be totally normal. But there was definitely like, we got halfway through 2020 and realized like, ooh, 2021 is not going to be normal. And that was an opportunity to start figuring out, okay, even if best case scenario, we have half the spectators, how do we go about doing dealing with this right and I think this October 6th date when they decided to postpone ticket sales to me this should have been this should have been what they started you know really considering this as an option it should have been the start of their campaign but instead it kind of got brushed under the rug and I don't really fault them too much for this because I can understand where they're coming from they're still hoping that while they were seeing some regulations begin to lift some things kind of change and adjust I understand why they didn't you know, make that big push then and why this option didn't occur to them. However, our next glossed over date that perhaps was like our second little instance, our second signal to begin fundraising. And this one happened in December 2020, where you're going to constantly see in conjunction with Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, there's also another organization there that is EEI. And they are Equestrian Events Incorporated. And I can't quite figure them out specifically they seem to really be mostly related to the Kentucky three-day event and they are the ones putting on the event so they're the ones that like pay for the events organize who is coming in who their technical delegates are who their judges are they really are the ones arranging and putting on the event so like they specialize in international event planning is what they are they're no they don't specialize in fundraising which is a really important distinction here because that will come up later in our dates was when they finally got involved with another organization that specializes in fundraising is when things started to change and the event was put back on. But they specialize in planning the event. Yeah, I see them. I'm looking at the page now and I can see their logo. I've never like, I've seen that logo a million times. I never realized that's what it said. <laughs> right, you never realized that. When I started looking into this, I was like, oh, so that's its own organization. That's its own organization. Like, I didn't realize that the event is one thing. The organization putting on the event is another entity as well as these are both separate entities than that of the horse park itself. And then the horse park has its own foundations. So like there are so many different branches going on out there that it's very confusing when you start looking into it that you're like, whoa, I didn't know so many people were at play here. Oh my God. Like when did this become so widespread? Okay. So when you're saying they should have known, who do you mean they should have known? Like who is they? EEI. Okay. Equestrian Events Incorporated. They should have seen this coming, especially when they ran their fundraising event in December 2020 for the Kentucky three-day event. So they ran one fundraising auction in December, but they didn't get much attention for it. And it seems like to me that like when I was looking through this and going through their Facebook feed, really the big reason why they didn't receive much attention was there wasn't much advertising surrounding it, as well as it didn't seem like a very inclusive event sure right it seemed more geared towards those who are frequently involved in the end of the year banquets and whereas the rest of us us normies i'm sorry i've never been involved in one of those type of activities i'm always on the sidelines for those things right so i don't have the front row seat to partaking and like participating in one of those styles of auctions and i think that just it wasn't inclusive enough 
to like involve the rest of the membership to actually have the desired effect that it was supposed to have. Just just to throw this out there, but I doubt they want your money. Like I'm not sure that was the kind of money they were thinking they were going to be getting at these auctions. Right. And if you look at the option, like the, the things they were auctioning off, it was like a little gator four wheeler buggy thing. You know, it was it was items that cost a little bit more than us average are like, I'll throw 20 bucks at the problem. You know, it was it wasn't meant for It wasn't meant for us. And I think that was really their big downfall in that one. You know, they were hoping for bigger donations that they wouldn't rely on us. And I understand that. But when that didn't happen, I think they need to take a step back and, you know, start including the larger membership base. Started like talking to us. Okay, so totally curious. Maybe you don't, probably don't know the answer. Was it that they didn't get enough attention? Like, did the auction not raise enough money? Or was it that, like, they just wanted more, like, they wanted more money versus, like, we they weren't budgeting for enough? Okay, wait, how do I phrase this? <laughs> like, was their goal too low? Was their goal too low? That's, and did they not meet their goal? I don't think, I, no, I don't think that they ha- had set their goal too low and that they reached their goal. I think they just didn't simply raise enough money where they thought they would be able to. So it's important to note that EEI is a nonprofit organization. So for the entire year of like 2020, they really were not receiving any income at all because events were being canceled and that's where they received their income from and to like fund them in different fundraising events. And so I don't think that it was them setting the bar too low because they do talk about how much it costs to run one of these events with spectators and without. So when they were talking about running the event in 2019, when they ran fully with spectators, it costed um, $3.8 million. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's a hefty chunk of – that's a hefty sum. But how much do they make? Like, if it costs $3.8 million, like, how much did you make? I don't know. And I couldn't find a budget breakdown, which really bothered me because – when you went through, I found a couple other articles I was reading and they specifically talked about running this five-star long format without spectators and the rough cost of this was about $1.5 million. But I couldn't find like a budget breakdown so I'm really curious as to where this is all going. Like I don't doubt them at all. I just want to know more. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like to pay people to come, like the technical delegates, probably plus you have to pay like all the people that take care of the facility, you rent the facility, food, tents. Like, I mean, it adds up quickly. Like, I believe it costs, shoosh, a million dollars without spectators. Because like, think about how much, like you're not using the same amount of facility. Like you wouldn't have a trade show. Like I bet the trade show is expensive to put on. Like not only do people pay to be there at the trade show but like just to have like that facility and organize it and also think about the other events that they put on while the event itself is happening right you have all those demonstrations happening you have like the mounted games you have those with the carriage driving you have i know lisa wallace has done her mustang demonstration several times you have like the grand prix at night you have all these different things happening in conjunction with the event to help bring in more spectators and to see more you know, I never really thought about how much it cost to put on one of these events. I didn't think it quite got to the millions, but whoo, it did. Yeah, I've never thought of it being I, – I guess you never really think about the budget behind these th- events. But yeah, that's – No, you don't. That's legitta. But anyways, back to our timeline where we had our first two kind of – not necessarily red flags, but our two instances that should have forewarned and predicted that this could possibly be an issue – was that of October 6th when they had to first postpone spectators purchasing of tickets to January 2021, as well as EEI's kind of, not necessarily failed, but certainly not a success fundraiser that occurred in December 2020. 
and where there where our timeline really kicks off where everyone knows and came aware of it was february 2nd when kentucky three-day event announced on their facebook and other platforms that the event was going to be canceled this year in conjunction with this news they were kind of trying to spearhead it in like a positive direction and they said that perhaps since the five star was going to be canceled they would hold an event that had a few other levels for one, they would still run the four-star short, and the spectators, some that qualify for that, would be allowed to actually compete in the competition rather than those five-star riders. Wait, the spectators would be able to compete? That's kind of how they sold it, was that since it wasn't that five-star level, it was four-star, and I don't know if they're going to include other lower levels in it, but they're like, look, you can come compete yourself. Oh, okay, okay. I was like... If you qualify. I was like, the spectators suddenly are ready to do a five-star? I mean sure like do I have to bring my own horse or you're gonna loan me one too gotcha okay you could like watch a four star and compete at a lower level is that the thought well no no it was that like if you qualified for a four star but you didn't qualify for a five star you could run in the four star something like that I don't know it was a little it was a little muddled and of course this was met with like a lot of confusion people were going huh how people are mystified at how they could possibly hold an event still at the same venue, yet they couldn't hold the five star. A lot of people were concerned because they thought the event was being canceled because of COVID. And in a way it was, but the event wasn't canceled because of COVID restrictions so much as it was canceled because of how COVID restrictions affected the financial pressure put on them and that they couldn't financially put the event on. And I think we talked about this in an earlier episode and I feel like I saw mentions of this, but a lot of it had to do with the prize money. Don't you aren't you required to offer a certain amount of prize money for these larger events? Uh, yeah, I appreciate that actually is a requirement for it to be counted as a five star. So when those in charge and when those announced that with EEI and those as well as like associated with Kentucky Three Day announced that it was going to be canceled. They also started, you know, talking about why they canceled this. And like they had been looking into every opportunity, everything that like it just wasn't possible. Part of the thing was they were expecting guideline COVID restrictions to eventually be lifted. And they're kind of anticipating running this event in best case scenario when they really should have been preparing for a worst case scenario. So they were anticipating either running at full capacity or limited, but they were counting on spectators regardless. And while CDC was lifting guidelines, they have to follow USEF guidelines, which do not permit any spectators. So while yes, we were looking at other events, like other sports that were having spectators show up while you're looking at the Kentucky Horse Park itself, the physical location is allowing camping and such. Those are operating underneath a different set of guidelines, whereas an event such as this has to operate under USEF and FBI's guidelines and they were not allowing spectators. So even though it's outside and like, not counting, you know, how closed off the trade show is, not counting sitting shoulder to shoulder in stadium. Even though it's outside and other organizations would permit it with the proper COVID protocol in place, they could not because of USEF's guidelines in regards to COVID. I mean, yeah, they should have been preparing better for that to happen. Right. And so like this loss of spectatorship, not only do they lose that spectators money where it would go to tickets, you know, you have various tickets that you pay for, you have the pass into the park, there's the tailgate pass, there's also the trade fair, and so no spectators means no trade fair, which is another source of revenue because now they won't have vendors showing up, which vendors pay for a stall. So like losing the spectators loses them a lot of money. Our next date that really comes about where we're just at February 2nd where they announced the cancellation of the event 
February 3rd, they released a video explaining why they chose to cancel the event. EEI had their own little video with Lee Carter, who is the executive director of EEI. And on the 3rd, they put out a video with him and one other dude, I forget what his name was, but they just talk about how it's the financial implications that aren't allowing them to put the event on and trying to express it. Like they have looked at every avenue and they just can't do it. However, this decision kind of had a very quick turnaround where February 4th, they made the very unorthodox post saying that financial donations were needed. And if we wanted to see the five-star long format run in 2021, we had to raise $750,000 by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday the 7th, giving only three days for the general public and members to donate mass amounts of money. This is kind of where things all went wrong, right? When they announced the cancellation of the event, everyone was just kind of, you know, accepting that like, yeah, okay, we could have seen this coming. You made the right decision. I understand how tough this might have been, but you made it to be safe. Spectators, the general public... I think had that opinion uh but that was not the opinion that the writers had and that's who like i want to pick like i'm a little annoyed with like i get that this is how you make your money and that you need these events to get ready for the olympics but i was a little annoyed with some writers and the posts they were making at this time basically to pressure the event to go find a way like even though you made this announcement this is ridiculous and i think that's the thing right because if you go and look through the facebook comments where this is really where the only place these discussions were happening is most people were you know they were frustrated the event wasn't happening they were bummed the tickets that they rolled over before they're like all right i'll just get a refund for them this time around they were bummed and they're you know there was a handful that were like oh is there anything we can do what is there really not another option but still most are pretty accepting of this news and so it came kind of as like a one, like another big shift in the wave of them suddenly saying, oh, because of great outpouring of people wanting to try and jumpstart this campaign and wanting to fund it, we've decided to try to make it a possibility. And I think a lot of these discussions happen behind closed doors that none of us were aware of. It was just another point where like us normal people on the outside were excluded until they needed us. And now suddenly we're included when we have a three day time limit. To raise almost a million dollars. I mean, it's, I know, because I was watching pretty closely what was happening. And there were, I won't, you can probably still go to their Facebook pages and see the posts they made. And like, I don't want to confuse because this was a while ago. So like, there's a couple names that are popping up. But basically, like, the response from top writers who were benefiting from these shows was they were not happy. Like, they were not okay with the situation and thought it was ridiculous. And I, like, don't disagree with them, but, like, the outcome I still think is ridiculous. But, hey, the show must go on. (laughs) I also think it was frustrating because those riders that were very vocal about speaking out that I think is who got EI to listen as well as kind of turn the tables on this were ones that are well-known and typically considered for the national team. And are considered for that next move. So those are who they're going to listen to. And it was frustrating that it took until their voices happened. Or it took just them saying something when everyone else was saying something else for things to turn and change. Well, that's what I don't understand is because why weren't those writers involved in any of these considerations, right? Like you thought they were going to be okay with you canceling the event? Like I, don't, I just don't know why it took Doug Payne and Boyd Martin getting on Facebook and screaming about the event being canceled and how unfair it was for anyone to be like, oh, 
we have three days to figure something out. Like, how did it get to that point? Like, that's what I just don't understand is like, why weren't they involved in the earlier conversations if they carry that much weight? Like, if their opinion matters that much to you, you should have involved them months ago. <laughs> and I'm sure they would have said, figure it out. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I think EI and those putting it on, they knew a while ago that the five star wasn't going to run. So when it first came out, they actually had an article where someone interviewed Lee Carter. I think it was the horsesport.com. And he's the executive director of EEI. And he stated that the possibility of running the event wasn't even on their radar until the last 24 hours after their initial cancellation announcement. What they had planned on doing was to run the four-star along with the five-star originally in the very, very beginning. But when that seemed unlikely to happen, they kind of already had it in their minds that the five-star wasn't going to happen. They were just going to run the four-star short. And forgot to tell everyone. Yeah. Because they were – I mean, I, I don't want to blame them, honestly. Because I, I, I don't know. I just like to believe the best in everyone. And, it, like, I could see that they're honest. Like, they were trying. Their efforts, they were trying. Fundraising wasn't necessarily their specialty. And they were trying to look into the avenues of how to run the event and get it going. No, they were – they had their fingers crossed – that at the very last second, spectators would be able to come. They held Which is out. funny because now they are, but it's still going to run without spectators. <laughs> yeah, it's too late for spectators to show up. But like they, I I, I want to have the like faith in people and believe that they're good and good natured and are doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, we're all out here to make a little money. We're all out here to have a business. And like the spectators is where the money's at. Like every aspect of the more people there, the better they were not going to say that the five-star wasn't going to happen because they wanted people to be anxious to buy the tickets. They didn't want people to ask for refunds. Like, they wanted people to think that they could come. Because if they cared if about the riders, they would have talked to the riders well in advance. They didn't care about the riders because they were not included in these decisions. I just wish, I think what would really help go a long ways, and this is with anything, is just them being a little bit more forthright and transparent with these kind of things. And just having talked to those that they were going to ask if they're going to, like, I have absolutely no problem with fundraising. I wouldn't have minded the fundraising because I completely understand it. But when they put out such a tight timeline in conjunction with a large sum of money, I, when I originally saw that post, I did not take it favorably. I was immediately like, no, this is, no, I don't like this. Because it felt like a scare tactic. It felt like, they hadn't planned properly and were now shuffling, which I know they had been planning. They had their own ideas in place. But like, it just felt like they are all of a sudden shuffling around, putting the pressure on us and the type timeline was to urge us normal people that they had been excluding the entire time and now suddenly they wanted to rely on us. It just felt wrong. Okay, so th- putting that kind of timeline and that kind of pressure is like scam 101. Like that's the first thing you learn about. Like don't click on an email that has a tight deadline. You know what I mean? Like you, they need money now, now, now. That's often like the sign of a scam. Like they can't wait for that money to come through or whatever it is. Yeah, it just seems so weird that us the spectators and like what's the benefit you get early release date of tickets for next year like that's really not that much of a benefit for putting any money forward but cool I don't yeah I did not donate I probably like would have like had this been a fundraiser where you could have donated like $20 and gotten a sticker or something (laughs) like I totally would have done it like 
months ago, but I wouldn't like it just the way it came off. Like you said, it just felt like wrong and icky. Yeah, it just it left a bad taste in your mouth. And they ran the campaign as campaign. They ran the campaign as save 2021. And while they said that they needed $750,000 from us, the people, that it would not cover all expenses, but this would be the amount EEI would be able to bite the bullet and take the financial hit on the rest. This was like the minimum they required to move forward and put the event on. And there was quite a few other questions people brought up and they seemed confused about it, myself included. You know, people were asking, you know, how could they not have foreseen this coming and simply started fundraising sooner? And that was my biggest qualm with it. I think that was a lot of people's big qualm with it because it just felt so right. out of the blue. Exactly. Well, especially to have announced it's canceled. Your plan is to cancel it. And then the next day you're like gun to your head you have three days to come up with over like half a million dollars <laughs> like i've seen this movie no <laughs> and i think the big issue that they ran into and why they didn't start fundraising earlier was because they were planning for best case scenario they weren't planning for worst case scenario which is what they should have been doing and then i don't want to give my money to someone who can't play on come on guys and then i mean others were confused as to why it had to be us fundraising the event like why did it seem that it was the responsibility falling on the members and the public rather than why did it fall into those that were never consulted in the matter instead of falling upon larger sponsorships and private donors that they turned to to ask for more money or to help put the event on yeah that one i don't and i mean they must have like they had to have asked I'm, for I assume they had. better like more better sponsors but i mean i look at their sponsor list and it's a pretty small sponsor list like for company-wise, is there a reason behind that? Like, I feel like this would be the year to have everyone you could get sponsor it. But I just I don't understand. I don't know. And, like, lastly, I think people were really befuddled by the tight timeline, right? How is it that befuddled. we only had three days? How is it that? And, you know, when they did the interview with Lee Carter, he specifically talked about that, like, well, it was a tight timeline because they hadn't anticipated being able to run the event. So there was nothing in place for the five star to run. So there was no officials that had signed contracts yet at that time, February, meaning like no airlines had been booked for them. No hotel rooms were reserved. No one was lined up to run the event. And they were like, if you want to turn this around, we only have 11 weeks to before dressage day kicks off if you want this to happen. So I understand in that regards to their tight timeline. But I think they should have made that a lot clearer instead of... I think you... Maybe it was in their initial post that I saw. Maybe maybe not. I mean, I kind of... Somewhere I did put that together that like, if this wasn't planned, you obviously don't have the infrastructure either in place, which includes having officials and judges and jump crew and XYZ. And uh, and usually I know like, that needs to be planned out quite a ways in advance. Which means, like, how do we get to February and no one had planned it? It means you never were going to do it in the first place. <laughs> like, you never were. If no one was called, if no one was on standby, you never were going to do it to begin with. Which takes us to our next date of importance, which is February 9th. And for those of you counting, this extends past that imminent death timeline timeline we were given of February 7th. Yeah. February 9th, they were posting the little graphic, the little thermometer showing how much had been raised. The general members and public fundraising man, the grassroots campaign had managed to accrue a little over $183,000. That is great. That's impressive for all of us normies to have achieved and done. However, private donations is what allowed this to happen. 
private donations from various organizations and other sponsors such as Straight Arrow Products Incorporated, who, for those of you who ever wondered, they are own and produce Mane and Tail Shampoo. Uh, they have the Cowboy Magic. They made a donation to EEI, and originally these weren't showing up on that little graphic they're making because they hadn't received the funds yet, so they weren't counting them. But once they had, private donations accounted for about $360,000 raised, which brought our grand total up to about $543,000 and some change falling just short. However, the really big turning point in this situation occurred when the Kentucky Horse Park Foundation decided to hop on board. Woo, Kentucky. Right, and so this is another organization that you're like, wait, weren't you guys already in cahoots with one another? Like, I thought you guys were, I thought you were the same thing, but they're not. For those interested, Kentucky Horse Park Foundation, they are way more adept at event fundraising. They specialize in fundraising. And so I think they were tied to the push and what we saw roll out on, what was it, March 15th? when they had the cardboard cutouts become available that you could purchase them to have your little pictures sitting up in the stands watching for all to see. Are They're not cardboard though, right? They're not cardboard? No, no, they're not cardboard. They, they misspoke. They made a whole post of like, no, you're not cardboard. Don't worry. You won't sag in the rain, which now is snow. How weird is that? I know. Gosh, snow. it snowed. I'm so like, all I could think of is like horseshoes being packed with snow right now. And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds awful. <laughs> I know. I, this is just a weird event, you know? This It's going to be one. It's an interesting one. I know. I, I, we need to like start making bets about what we think is going to happen cross country day. Like, yeah. So once Kentucky Horse Park Foundation jumped on board, that was really the big turning point. That was really who cinched the last bit of money that allowed them to move forward and put the event on. So while like they did bring it to us, the regular people, we were able to raise $183,000, which is impressive all on our own because I guarantee you none of us have $183,000. But what really came was once that pressure was put on us and everyone was rallying to, you know, try to make this happen, that's when other organizations were like, well, hey, I should jump in. This will certainly make me look good. Well, it's not just that, though. Like, if you see the general public is, like, pulling the coins out of their sofa and trying to fund <laughs> this event, I think that gives you a little bit of, like, oh, you know, they they deserve this or they really want this or they are invested. Like, this does have a bigger reach and it is important. You know, had only like $1,000 been raised, I'm sure nobody would have jumped on because they would have like, oh, these people obviously don't care. This isn't a big event. True. No one's going to be watching it. Like, my sponsorship's not going to matter. But the fact that we got $100,000, they were like, oh, this, right, this does matter. This is important to somebody. Heck, we almost got to $200,000. Don't sell yourself short, kiddos. We almost did it. Not me because I didn't donate. So I I didn't donate either so yeah no no credit for me but february 10th it was declared the illustrious five-star event was back on baby and entries actually reopened on february 23rd and now as we sit today i think there's 65 64 competitors i think they had like 70 signed up including both the five star and the four star but now we're sitting around 60 something it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be good before i hand it over to you I would just like those who are listening that potentially donated. Um, if you were wondering of the benefits that you could have come by, the potential, it's kind of a funny point that doesn't really matter, but I think it's still funny and I kind of feel bad. I feel like they could have done something more, like send out a t-shirt to everybody, but I get that's expensive. Um, their potential demonstrations or shows of gratitude. They're still kind of spitballing here, but naming the last jump on cross-country course, the Kentucky Collective 
Lucky Horseshoe. Also, for those of you that donated, you're now referred to as the Kentucky Collective. So in case you're wondering, hopefully your collective marks are high as a result of this. They should call us the syndicate, though. It should be the Kentucky syndicate. They should. That'd be cool. But it also possibly, for those that donated, you could be added to a webpage, which would be added and maintained, recognizing those who donated. Or offering all who donated $500 and plus an exclusive pre-sale option for 2022 event tickets. This actually also includes those that rolled their tickets over from 2020. So don't feel too special. They could also be potentially including donors in the top two priority groups that have been identified as the first groups they would permit to attend the 2021 event. The spectators shall only be allowed to attend in limited numbers. However, this one they decided to not proceed with. And then lastly, a potential benefit you could see if you donated is them dedicating a newly planted tree in the Horse Parks Reforestation Initiative this summer to the Kentucky Collective. So I think we can all tell they're really putting putting their brain power behind how to thank you. Yeah, no, maybe not their strong suit. Um, (laughs) I'm also going to go out on a limb and guess those thank you cards are going to be more than a week late. I am guessing that they are not up on their Emily Post manners and etiquette, and those thank you cards are going to be delayed. Um, But I'm glad it's going on uh, going forward. I need to update my membership so that I can watch it online. Hopefully we... I am really afraid that everybody's going to be watching Saturday I know. and that streaming is going to be, guys, tell me your broadband is ready. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to crash the website. Like, I want to watch Cross Country and I don't, and I want to watch it in real time, maybe like a minute late, but like as close to real time as possible and uh, don't crash the website. So we, we've got to figure it out figure out a plan hopefully their wires are big enough for that also i know it won't happen i know no one that's in charge of this stuff will listen to me or even listens to this but hey i know what's really cool when like the top riders go out on course but wouldn't it be cool if we also still got to see the riders coming out behind them instead of just watching their whole entire course sometimes that really bothers me yeah when like less known riders come out on course and they just get completely ignored and like the camera never once shows them going and i'm like come on guys we know they're gonna get around show me the newbies right. show me what they're doing exactly <laughs> i was just thinking that i was like i don't actually want to watch philip dutton get around not because like i don't think he's a good rider or doesn't deserve the camera time but i want to watch the next guy because we all like the ooh ah ooh. like i want to watch somebody ride you know what I mean? I want to watch them think their way through something they've never been in. Like, I want to watch. Yeah. You know how nervous. Like, I just, I want to see them develop. I want to get attached to a new rider, an up-and-coming rider. I want to see them. Exactly. I, I hear you. I, Philip's going to be fine. He doesn't need us to watch. He's got this. He's, he knows what he's doing. I want to watch somebody else, somebody more interesting. But yeah, I'm super excited for the four-star to watch those. I did just look at the uh, ride times, and there's some names that I definitely recognize. Um... And uh, there's some people that I who normally compete at the five star that are competing at the four star. So that is Robin's discussion about how you sponsored the event. And I mean you, looking right at you, the listener, sponsored this event. You are looking at your computer. Do not lie to anyone. Okay, I am looking at my computer. But you know, <laughs> like I'm trying to like I'm speaking into the um, ears of somebody. Actually, I have no idea. If you paid and you 
were part of that Kentucky collective. That's really cool. We appreciate you. Uh, I hope the writers appreciate you. I know that I did see some writers, uh, like Lauren Nicholson for sure, uh, posted a big thank you to all of those who donated. But sort of turning the page, turning like looking at those corporate sponsors and those corporate donors, I wanted to take a look at the presenting sponsor of the Land Rover Kentucky Three Day, and that is Mars. And it does have the Mars Horsey logo, so I know this is Mars Equestrian and not Mars uh, the planet. Foundation. Oh. Or the planet. <laughs> yep. I know this isn't a specific planet donation sponsored alien event, but Mars Equestrian is like brand new. And I had this realization that like it's probably because Jacqueline Mars has been like, she is Mars of the Mars, but she is getting old. And so, like, my guess is Mars Equestrian was started in 2019, like, was the first year they actually, like, got their trademarks and their, like, organization was in 2019 is when they got set up. So 2020 was their first year. It's because she's getting old, and this is probably, like, the way to continue on her legacy. Uh. So I'm going to talk briefly about Mars Foundation just because that's whose information we have and who they are because they actually do sponsor a lot of these events. But now it's going to be Mars Equestrian is going to be stepping in for Jacqueline. So the Mars Foundation, it was established in 1957, and it is the charitable arm of the Mars Wrigley Corporation. And that is like Mars as in Mars bars and Wrigley as in Wrigley gum. Uh, they also have like Orbitz gum, which is way better than Wrigley, <laughs> like some of those others. But basically every year, uh, Mars Corporation, the company donates $2 million to the Mars Foundation, and then that gets handed out to different charities and organizations all along the East Coast, mostly along the East Coast, but also throughout the um, United States, but not like a ton throughout the United States. It's really concentrated on the East Coast. So this is like the Mars Foundation and the Mars Company is a family-owned business. It's been a family-run business for hundreds of years. And Jacqueline Mars, who we're going to talk about because she's real big in the eventing world. And you've probably started to hear the Mars name. Like Mars is pretty much that name is like attached to a lot of things, a lot of horse shows and a lot of sponsorships. Uh, She is, I think, like the granddaughter of the founders. Essentially what they have done is they've created a uh, foundation that really emphasizes like being able to invest in sustainability. They're really big into like the world and the environment and they're really big into pets. They love their pets and I think partially because they create pet food Uh, (laughs) and they want to uh, sell pet food and make sure that the animals are getting like good pet food. So they have like this company, I don't need to go too much into their financials, but like they own no property. They basically own just a bunch of stocks and they get their $2 million every year and then they divvy that out. From Mars Foundation, we also have Mars Equestrian, which is like I mentioned, was just created in 2019 uh, is when they were starting to get like all their paperwork. And I think their trademark is still open. So if you want to, you can comment on their trademarked logo and be like, oh, it's too similar to this. You can't have it. Or you could just be like fine with it and not make any comments. But apparently there is like an opportunity for people who are trademarking things. Like there's an opportunity for the general public to like weigh in and be like, no, I don't like it. So if you do go to Mars, a question. So if you go to the um, Kentucky Three Day, you go to their sponsorship page, you click on Mars Equestrian on the sponsor. It directs you to the Mars Foundation page 
which is like the bigger foundation. It does not direct you to the Mars Equestrian webpage. And the Mars Equestrian webpage literally has no information on it. Like they need to, they need to work on it. There's nothing really on that webpage except for this like statement, like a brief statement about like how they got started and like what they plan to do. The Mars history, the candy bars Mars history dates back to like the 1930s or even earlier than that when they founded the company, but they have had a deep-rooted love of horses since the 1930s. So Frank and his wife, Ethel Mars, they had something called the Milky Way Farm in Tennessee, which was world-famous for producing thoroughbred racing champions, including the 1940 Kentucky Derby winner Galahadon? Galahadon? Hadoin? Something like that. They they bred thoroughbreds. So that was like where a lot of their interest in horses started. And then uh, as they've grown up, they've just stayed very connected to the horse community as like one does when they're wealthy. I think there's just like a lot of horses in the wealthy people's atmospheres. But the name Snickers for Snickers Bar is actually like the name of one of their horses. So that's where it came from. Uh, so the Mars family continues to be involved in a variety of equestrian disciplines and interests, including and in breeding competing top class and national level eventing horses quarter horses and arabians oh it is arabians that's so weird and caring for retired service <laughs> horses actually i have like a weird theory and i don't know if this is true at all but this is my hypothesis raining is becoming really big and one of the organizations that mars foundation supports is the national rain cow horse association and the american paint horse association otherwise all the other horse shows they support are u.s like u.s equestrian badminton kentucky three-day washington international horse trial upperville uh, colt and horse show essex horse trial uh bromont great meadow international like are you seeing a theme in all of those and then you have uh national rain Cow Horse Association. Yeah, not exactly the same. Are they the reason raining is one, like there's now a raining event at Kentucky? Are they the reason that raining is now a World Games like event? Are they like, are they involved with, like I know who's involved. So Linda Mars, Jacqueline Mars's niece is like super into raining and owns quarter horses and Arabs. But like, are they the reason raining's becoming like being pushed so much? Like that was just like a weird. Maybe. It's just weird when you look at all the like events that they sponsor and host, they all are three day events and then the National Raining Horse association and they're thoroughbred people like they're sport horse people so not that reining horses aren't sport horses but like you know it's a different kind of sport horse i I understand going from event supporting events to supporting like different show jump venues or something of that nature but it's very much so of like jumping in the deep end of something completely different right and they yeah they also sponsor the event at tryon and what used to be the wellington showcase which is now the mars showcase so like all of those are show jumping and eventing and they do a little bit of polo here and there. Um, but again, like to me, polo is closer to eventing. So I just think the rain, raining is interesting. And I just want to know if they're responsible for things. They also, the Mars Equestrian is getting into something we really love, or I really love, is they are now supporting research. So one of the things that this foundation is doing is they are getting into supporting universities and their research. Uh, one of the articles I found was One Year in Mars Equestrian, a fellow at UK's Gluck Equine Research Center continues to help older horses. I do hate the word Gluck. Like, why Kentucky? I get that <laughs> University of Kentucky, they're the Glucks or whatever. Like, that's their thing, but it is annoying. Kentucky Gluck Equine Research Center is 
specializing in aged horse research. And so they are being sponsored. They are one of the fellows of the Mars Equestrian. And so they are looking into how horses age and what sort of like dietary advances and improvements can be made in feeding our other senior horses to avoid like issues with Cushing's and other insulin. So again, like it is research into better feeding regimes, a better feeding protocol, but it is all around like feed, right? Because they are a feed company. The other one that they are researching and sponsoring is the University of Pennsylvania, their veterinary medicine program. They have formed a, um, found an article about partnership formed to accelerate advancements in equine musculoskeletal health. Basically, they started this early career program where a brand new vet will be paired with an older vet and they will get the opportunity to do a bunch of basically experiments and research within the Pennsylvania uh veterinary medicine hospital in order to like learn more as a way to bring like sports medicine to younger vets that are just starting out i like that i can support that i I enjoy that yeah i think that is a really interesting concept trying to like basically speed up their learning process for younger vets by pairing them with like a mentor and then bringing them these horses and being in an environment where you're going to be seeing a lot of sports medicine and a lot of that type of like how to prevent injuries how to like better understand how horses get injuries uh, and then how to develop preventative tools for these horses so i think that's a really neat program and i'm really excited for that one and that's sort of like what mars equestrian is doing at this time they again are super brand new they haven't really done a lot besides slap their name on every horse show out there but the name Mars has been part of the eventing community for a very long time. And that is because Miss Jacqueline B. Mars, B for Badger, is a business person who, like I said, is the granddaughter of, of the founder of the Mars company. And she has been, I think, a U- on the U.S. Uh, equestrian team. She has been a trustee for like 40 years for the U.S. eventing or U.S. equestrian team foundation. Oh, wow. That's, so that's a while. Yeah, just, just a short, short period of time. So she's been involved with the, the national team and national riders for quite a while. So Jacqueline Mars owns an estimated one third of Mars, which is the world's largest candy maker. And it was founded by her grandfather. She worked for the company for nearly 20 years and served on the board until 2016. Her son, Stephen Badger, is on Mars board of directors and is a well-known philanthropist. She serves on six boards, including the Smithsonian and the National Archives, which is like super cool. Like that's whoa! I know Man, she's. I want to be that cool. I know I want a job on like the Smithsonian board or the National Archives board, like right? Because they get to know all the secrets. They super do. I have watched whatever that man's movie is a lot. National Treasure. I have watched National Treasure. Do not forget Nicholas's Cage's name in my presence ever again, dear. Exactly. God. So I feel like I'm very qualified to be a board member. Is what I'm saying. Like I, I got you. I got you. So Jacqueline Mars has received tons of awards for being part of the horse community, which includes the 2011 recipient of the Professional Riders Organization um, Award, the As You Like It Owners Award, which is awarded each year to an owner who has made a significant contribution to eventing. 
She's also, in 2015, became a member of the USEA Hall of Fame. In 2017, she received USET Foundation's R. Bruce, I'm not even, it's a Distinguished Trustee Award, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then in 2020, or she got the award in 2021, she received the USEA President's Lifetime Achievement Award. Came basically because she owns or owned a bunch of Karen and David O'Connor's horses. She owns like all of Lauren Nicholson's horses and Hannah Sue Burnett's and a couple other riders' horses, including Marilyn Little's horse. Um, Won't forget that. But basically she has been very involved. She has set up multiple grants that go out. I think she's, they're like two $50,000 grants that go out every year. There's one for national and international travels. Um, She has a farm in Florida. She has a farm in Virginia that are places where she puts on events and there's training and clinics that happen at these farms for the team riders and for developing members that have been. She is a breeder. She breeds horses at her farm Stone Hall in uh, Virginia. So like she is very part, very much part of this community and the eventing world. And it's why Mars's name is on everything. One of the first horses she owns owned was Gitledge, which was David O'Connor's Olympic mount in 1996 and in 2000, and he has since passed away. Gitledge, not David O'Connor. <laughs> uh, she was part of the Mr. Medicott Syndicate, which is uh, Philip Dutton's 2016 Olympic horse. Yep. She owns pretty much every horse Lauren Kiefer slash Lauren Nicholson owns, uh, which includes Paramount Importance and Vermiculous, which will both be at the Five Star this weekend, and Landmarks Monte Carlo, which will be running at the Four Star this weekend. She owns Harbor Pilot, which is Hannah Sue Burnett's horse, which will be at Landover this weekend. Uh, she owns Marilyn Little's horse, RF Scandalous. But besides for owning everyone's horses and giving out a couple $50,000 grants, there's also the Gitledge Endowment Fund, which she started. The endowment will create a reliable source of funding that can be drawn upon each year for their USET, uh, United States Equestrian Team Foundation's annual funds and provide increased support support for the high performance programs. So basically, Jacqueline Mars's money is in everything. Like everybody has benefited from her whether they know it or not. Uh and it's like I really can't find anything bad about her. Like I did Google, I mean, she did like the car accident. We could talk about the car accident, but like that's the only bad thing I can find about her. Like she's involved in every aspect of the sport. She's given tons and tons of money. Like I I think it's really interesting. I think it's really unique. I don't understand why. Like that is the one thing like I don't get is to why why does she care? Like that's kind of like and I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just like when you have that kind of money and that kind of time to donate like is it just because you can yeah i just don't fully i just don't fully understand it but like i guess i don't have that much money to just like give away but like she has raised like about 40 million dollars um that's not her money but she's been responsible for raising like over 40 million dollars for the sport she's really keeping us going she really is keeping us going yeah like bars is the reason that we and i we mentioned this in other episodes like she's the reason why we still have eventing um and so that's where mars a question is coming in because she's like 81 now She's fairly old um, and she's not going to be around forever. And so they're in the process of setting up this foundation in order to like continue her legacy after she passes on, which I think is really interesting. And I think the foundation itself, while very brand new, looks interesting from its support of research to its continual support of shows uh, and supporting more and more shows. I think that's awesome. Like, I don't really have much more to add. 
there's to say about her other than like I just wanted to shed some light on who this person is because they have such a huge impact to this sport that I don't think many of us know. No, I think it's a good thing to mention her and talk about her because I think we've all seen that little Mars logo up in the top corner of the screen while we're watching a show or two. And we've definitely heard it mentioned here or there, but it's just kind of one of those things that you never really take notice. And that's what we're doing with our podcast is just kind of taking notice of these various things, just kind of looking a little bit further. And so I think it makes me happier to know that the big supporter of our sport doesn't seem to be horrible and isn't like... I mean, and that's the thing. is like, I'm not trying to find dirt. Like, I don't need dirt on someone. It's just like, I do want to know, like, you want to know more about her. The other thing is, like, their family, the Mars family, is notoriously secretive. Like, I found multiple articles about how secretive they were. So, like, finding information about her and her involvement in the horse world was actually really challenging. Like, I found a lot of information about her from the award like the articles on the awards she was given, but there was not a ton of information out there. Like, again, go to Mars Equestrian, their foundation page. It's like, there's nothing on the page. There's no information. Uh, and again, that's they're so new. They do have a Facebook page, but the Facebook page isn't very like informative. It's just like, look at this picture. Look at that picture. But I do think that they're, it's a really cool foundation and I'm excited to see it continue and to see like the impacts it has on this sport. And hopefully it helps to keep it up pure sport or you know I guess I'm one of the purest um, when it comes to eventing. Don't say that that goes so many bad directions you cannot say that. Okay I'm thinking purest as in like I just really don't want indoor eventing (laughs) like I'm not like running around a dirt arena is exciting it really is Um, but I really like the long format that's what I'm that's what I miss. I'd like to keep the integrity of outdoor venting intact. That is basically what I wanted to share about Mars Equestrian. There's not a ton to share, but and she seems to be a good person, which is nice. <laughs> then again, they're so secretive. How would we ever know? But from what we can see publicly, it seems promising. Just a car crash. Again, just a car crash. I just She just uh, accidentally fell asleep while driving and slammed into a car full of other of people and killed somebody's grandma. But it happens. But, but she did pay their medical bills and uh, they were happy and said that they forgave her at her uh, hearing. So I can agree to that. At least she wasn't drunk or anything, right? That could have been so much worse. Nope. As far as they know, she didn't have any drugs and or alcohol in her system. There was no reason for her to fall asleep. Um, She was totally fine. Um, And she paid her $2,000 fine. So, well, I mean, I think they're honestly, since they're just so massive like how you kind of mentioned their connection with raining i think they're just a good one to keep an eye on and just monitor what they're doing because it's just it's so interesting and fascinating as well as like it's just it's so interesting but do you have any final thoughts to add before we sign off and let people go watch the live stream live feed uh no i just want to say it is dressage day to tomorrow when in my time it's dressage day tomorrow so i'm really excited i'm going i'm definitely gonna be watching uh and i can't wait for saturday well on that note guys thank you so much for following along and listening with us i hope you enjoyed this episode if you have questions comments concerns I don't know, any tidbits of information that you want to share, reach out to us. Let us know and have a discussion in our Instagram comments whenever we post, which has, albeit being a little bit less frequently than it should be. But you know what? We're getting back on the game eventually, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no. We'll get organized. We'll get organized uh, eventually. It was just like it was sunny and like I wasn't feeling well. And then like my house got broken into and just like been a lot. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
We'll get organized eventually. If you want to talk to us, say anything to us, reach out on Instagram at inthebarn.pod or you can send us emails at inthebarnpod at gmail.com. But from here on out, guys, remember to stay safe, stay classy, and stay in the saddle. And also watch the live feed of the Kentucky 3 Day event. Actually, don't, don't, actually don't watch the live feed because I'm going to watch it. Can you just watch the video after? I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Bye.